I'm Greg Oliar. Four years ago, I stopped writing novels to report on the crimes of Donald Trump and his associates. In 2018, I wrote a best-selling book about it, Dirty Rubles. In 2019, I launched Prevail, a bi-weekly column about Trump and Putin, spies and mobsters, and so many traitors! Trump may be gone, but the damage he wrought will take years to fully understand. Join me and a revolving crew of contributors and guests as we try to make sense of it all. This is Prevail. Thanks to Noom for supporting Muller, she wrote. Sticking to a weight loss plan can be hard. Noom is designed for results. It's out with the old habits and in with the new. Sign up for your trial today at Noom, N-O-O-M, dot com slash A-G. And thanks to the app called Neighbors by Ring for supporting Muller, she wrote. If you want to help make sure you and your neighborhood are safe, download the free Neighbors app today. Go to ring.com slash A-G to download from iOS or Android app stores. That's ring.com slash A-G. And thanks to Clutter for supporting Muller, she wrote. When it comes to making life easier, Clutter is the undefeated champ. Their on-demand experiences take the self out of self-storage. Clutter has a great sign-up bonus. Get $50 off your first month when you sign up at clutter.com slash AG and use code AG at checkout. Hi, I'm Scott Dworkin from the Democratic Coalition, and you're listening to Muller, she wrote. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I didn't have not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello, and welcome to Muller, She Wrote. I'm your host, A.G., and with me, as always, are Jaleesa Johnson. Hello. And Jordan Coburn. Hello. We have a great show for you today. Uh, we have all the Mueller news, plus former U.S. attorney fresh off her testimony to the House Judiciary Committee about Mueller's report and obstruction of justice charges. Joyce Vance joins us for the interview. Great guest. Love her. Uh, we'll be in Philly July 17th at the Philly Podfest, Lincoln Hall in Chicago July 27th with Renato Mariotti, and San Francisco at the Independent August 30th, and the Triple Door Theater in Seattle September 13th. For tickets and information, head to MullerSheWrote.com. Also, our new morning daily news podcast premieres Monday, July 22nd, right here on our main feed. And we're working on setting up cameras in the studio for patrons. So that's going to be the because right now patrons get the daily updates. Um, and so once the daily updates go public, patrons are going to get some kind of video webcam mm -hmm. feed. Yeah. Um, you can see us all wearing our, you know, our jammies, <laughs> our, jammies. our beans, pajamas. <laughs> and so that's uh, uh, going to be up for patrons. If you want to become a patron, head to patreon.com slash Muller. She wrote for that. That helps us pay for health care for uh, for for us. Uh, we have a lot to get to this week. So let's start with my favorite new segment. Corrections. It's a mistake. It's hard for me to say I'm sorry. Oh, I made a mistake. 
All right. So during a daily update, Julissa, I guess you accidentally referred to Deutsche Bank as Russian. I did. Uh, but you know they're German. We know they're German. <laughs> it's like synonymous Deutsche. in my head. But yeah, Deutsche is actually a German word. Or Deutsche. Deutsche. Is German for Germany. Oh, well, that's right on the nose there. Yeah. I totally missed that. <laughs> that is right, yeah. Deutschland is, is Germany. Deutschland. Like a cool amusement park of yep. treason and loans. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, Germany itself is great. But I mean, you know, Deutsche Bank. Mm, that's fair. That's being fair. a little weird uh, these days. And actually these decades so <laughs> that's german and then uh let's see we mentioned in the last main episode that the czech republic changed the spelling of its english name to chechia which is not ac- accurate according to a patron who is in the czech republic czech republic is still a valid name but the pronunciation is czechia hmm. oh yeah okay good to know because yeah. it's maybe it sounds too close to chechnya oh there you go so yeah. czechia uh but you know czech republic still works uh, Mangiante, apparently, uh, and well, we knew this, worked with Mifsud, who she met in 2012 in Brussels at the European Parliament and London uh, at the London Center for International Law Practice, where Papadop briefly worked before joining the Trump campaign. Uh, I'm not sure what this is a correction for. I'm pretty sure Papadop was introduced to Mangiante in Italy by Mifsud, but maybe this was just some sort of additional information someone was sending. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we get those like in little, the corrections. Like a little backgroundy thing? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I dig it. Cool. Uh, we stated that Dmitry Fertosh was going to be extradited soon, though we actually do, didn't know that yet. According to Tom Winter of NBC News, attorney Dan Webb, who represents Fertosh, said in uh, the letter to the judge that the Austrian Supreme Court is expected to rule at a June 25th public hearing on whether Fertosh will be handed over to U.S. officials. So he may be indicted uh, by the Austrians in right. Österreich, which is Austrian for Austria. Ooh. Or German. Yeah. For Austria. Anyway, <laughs> uh, there's the there's a, a bunch of places where you can drink there, and I like it there. The Hopfer House, one of my favorites. Österreich. No, that's Munich. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. München, that's actually in Germany. They all sound cool to me. My they have bad. one of those in Vegas where I grew up, a Hofbrau house. Oh, yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. They'll, do the ladies carry like nine giant beers around? <laughs> yes. The, yeah. And they Whoa. also do a thing where if you, you have to like drink a certain amount of alcohol and then the waitress comes around and like paddles you on the ass, yeah. she gives you like a huge swat on wow. the ass. Wow. Like a, a different kind of Hooters there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Different kind of Hooters. Much more engaged. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It's like a sanctioned fraternity. It's very <laughs> nice. Uh, and guys, those are the only corrections. We just had four. Yeah, um, not so bad this yeah, week. Not bad. And I think one wasn't even a correction. It was just a, hey, also this. Mm-hmm. So cool. Thank you for that. Uh, if you have any corrections, head to com, click on contact, and then select corrections. And then it'll tell you how to build your little compliment sandwich. <laughs> for sure. Because <laughs> you have to say something nice. And then we're very weird about that. But <laughs> it's actually a good lesson uh, in you know how to have difficult conversations, mm-hmm. uh, like correcting us. Um, <laughs> but we do appreciate that. And the compliments are amazing. So thank you guys for that. Uh, we got some gifts this week. First of all, we got some bowl cozies in a basket. Yeah. And these were handmade um, from someone in Homer, Alaska. And uh, I think, uh, let's see, did they sign their name? And I feel like I'm misusing Adele. Adele, that's very pretty. pretty. I've been using the bowl holders as like oven mitts and the basket as a hat. So <laughs> I'm really just, you know, multi-purposing this whole thing. Well, there you go. Uh, and th- what's really cool is that they're like these, they're shaped like little bowls. So you can put them around hot bowls that you get out of the microwave. And so, you know, they said, thank you for your uh, enormous contribution to my life and to the public discourse, your information, humor, uh, 
uh, and dedication make a difference every single day. So thank you. Um, thank you for the gift. And thank you, Adele. I, I love the bowl cozies because yes. I eat a lot of hot. We do like I have an instant pot now and I make mm-hmm. all these soups and stuff in it. Yeah, your stew smells so good. Thanks, yes. man. And so, yeah, I really need those bowl cozies. I was like, and there's <sighs> beans all over them. The best part. Yes, they have beans. <laughs> Covered in beans. <laughs> Covered in beans. And then we got some really beautifully hand embroidered dish towels. And they said, as promised, I used colors I thought you may enjoy uh, for each of you. Um, uh, I'm unsure how you'll choose who will get each color. Um, I think I took blue. I took green, and, lime green. Yeah, and Jordan got pink. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should know that these are machine washable. And the base cloth is cotton. So hopefully no allergies. Uh, And so that's really awesome. And there's a little uh, surprise in the design. She quoted Martin Luther King. um, The arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice, MLK. And then over on the other side, it says the arc of... Uh, justice is long, but it bends toward the Southern <laughs> District of New York. Yeah, she quoted AG. you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's, that's incredible. So There's a little spyglass cool. on it, too. Yes, yeah, so she did a little spyglass. So yeah. thank you so much. And these are from Melissa. So, Melissa, thank you thank for you, all Melissa. these amazing gifts. And uh, I appreciate you guys giving me the time to, to say thank you to, to these patrons for sending sending these awesome things to us. I think our community is really important. So. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Are uh, you ready for Mueller news? Yeah. Try to get to it as fast as possible. There's <laughs> yes. a lot this week. Oh yeah. So uh, let's jump in with just the facts. All right, guys. Just the facts. Uh, a blockbuster story kind of came out this week in the New York Times about the U.S. stepping up digital incursions into the Russian electric power grid in a growingly more public action directed at Putin's disinformation and hacking units uh, in the 2018 election. 2018 election midterms. Uh, but buried in paragraph 21 of the article, and New York Times has a history of doing this. Like, remember when they released that October, uh, right before the election report that said, there's no Russia investigation into Trump, but like down in paragraph six, they're like, well, there is kind of. Um, they have a history of doing this. So buried in paragraph 21, we learned that uh, intelligence community officials have been hesitant to tell Trump about the efforts of, you know, hacking into the electric grid in Russia because they're afraid he would leak the intel to the Russians and subvert their efforts. Mm. Uh, this is a John Bolton joint, okay? And he's long <laughs> been hawkish on Russia. And I'm certain he's at odds with Trump on this and other issues, including probably attacking Iran. Uh, quote, two administration officials said they believe Mr. Trump has not been briefed in any, any detail about the steps to implant code uh, because Pentagon and intelligence officials described broad hesitation to go into detail with Mr. Trump about operations against Russia for concern over his reaction and the possibility he might countermand it or discuss it with dis- sorry discuss it with foreign officials, as he did in 2017 when he mentioned sensitive operations in Syria to the Russian foreign minister. Mm-hmm. So that's not fucking terrifying at all. Yeah, there should be really some sort of policy there. Yeah. If you're if you're too untrustworthy to even brief on intelligence matters, can't be the president. Yeah, and why is this not the headline? I I don't understand. They're just the the headline is, "Hey, we're trying to, you know, hack into the Russian grid." And then at paragraph 21, right. Oh, we don't tell Trump cuz we're afraid he's going to leak it to the Russians. It's ridiculous. That's the new normal though. Yeah, sure is. Uh, Also this week, the Supreme Court ruled on the U.S. v. Gamble case. And when this story dropped last September, everyone was very concerned that this case would waylay Mueller in that it might take away the ability for states to charge similar crimes under double jeopardy, making folks pardonable from those crimes. And we had Natasha Bertrand from Politico, who was formerly with The Atlantic. We had her on at the time uh, to explain it to us. 
So there's there's a lot of gray area here, but one thing is is certain, which is that if the dual sovereignty doctrine were overturned and the double jeopardy um, clause of the Fifth Amendment were had no exceptions to it, then that would really make it a lot murkier with regard to if Trump were to pardon um, someone, uh, you know, prematurely on the federal level, whether or not a state would then be able to try them for the same or similar, depending on how they define that crime on the state level. Right. And that doesn't um, preclude at all if he is seen as using the pardon power as an abuse of power. I mean, that's just a completely separate uh, idea and politically and optically that could be really bad for him whether or not they can be tried in state uh, in the state as well and I, I feel like different charges or at least similar charges brought up by different facts like you said could theoretically still be fair game um, right. and you know like and also gamble is going to basically set the precedent this this guy served time for a crime and then was recharged or, or tried to be right. tried again in federal and uh, presumably if trump like you said pardoned too soon premature pardon that uh and and matt like let's say pardon manafort who hadn't gone to jail yet i don't know that it would be it would fall under this kind of precedent so we were saying that even though trump had nominated Gorsuch and Kavanaugh that we believe SCOTUS would find in favor of the government here. And that's exactly what happened this week. The vote was 7-2. to two, And oddly, it was Gorsuch and Ruth Bader Ginsburg that dissented. Wow. Both citing the diminishment of individual liberty. Interesting. Although Gorsuch was more on the state's rights side mm -hmm. and RBG was more on the like Bernie. Principle. individual <laughs> liberties side. Yeah. Doesn't um, go far enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it doesn't go far enough. Uh, yeah, no, but she, that's my Bernie Bader Ginsburg. Yeah, Bernie Bader Ginsburg, 2020. <laughs> hey, everything, women are fantastic. Uh, all Look right, at so, the doily on my neck. <laughs> it's my descent collar. Ooh. It's very scary. Socialist. All right, so that's a good character. We should put that in a pocket. Reoccurring. <laughs> Bernie Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> Oh, fuck. We get so many emails. People are going to be mad. Um, all right. So last week, uh, we thought Manafort would be going to Rikers, right, during his trial for real estate fraud in New York State because he was caught renting out a property on Airbnb while simultaneously claiming to the IRS that his family was living in it so he could avoid paying those taxes. Uh, but at the last minute, in an unprecedented move, Deputy Attorney General under William Barr, Jeffrey Rosen, wrote a letter to prosecutors indicating he was monitoring where Manafort was being housed. And then Monday, federal prison officials asserted white privilege and informed <laughs> prosecutors Manafort would not be going to Rikers. Yeah, yeah, you nailed it. Uh, this is highly unusual as most criminals facing state charges are held at Rikers in New York. Uh, Manafort is set to be arraigned next week in that case. Huh. So This is just... No, everyone's like... What? Yeah, there's no precedent for this. At that at that level, at the at the deputy attorney general level, mm -hmm. they intervened with the head of federal prisons or some federal prison officials and they decided that just that he doesn't belong there. Yeah, no, he gets to go to a better, nicer federal prison mm -hmm. that's not as scary and has more white people. Right, right, definitely. More blue collar or more white collar criminals. I'm assuming. Um, like a Jeffrey Epstein type of jail situation, maybe. Yeah, maybe know. has like a gout center where you oh, can... Oh, you know. 24-7 gout watch? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gout watch. <laughs> 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 Fox News. 
not quite like Baywatch, almost the opposite. Very slow, but like for it's, different reasons. It's like how in San Diego we have like weather events. Like it, it rains a little, and they're like, "It's Stormwatch 2010," and then like they show a picture of like a lawn chair turned over, and like we will rebuild. And, and that's how our weather is in San Diego. Very this accurate. Is, this is Gout Watch. Yeah, Gout Doctors. They're like treating them like kids. Like this little piggy went. Oh no, this little piggy has gout. Oh my god. You'll be okay. <laughs> this little piggy has white privilege. <laughs> oh. oh, this little piggy cried, me, 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 all the way home. <laughs> this is the white privilege piggy. Uh, in other Manafort news, um, Judge Amy Berman Jackson, Judge Jackson, if you're nasty, released a bunch of text messages between Manafort and Hannity, who we now refer to as Manity. Uh, some people are trying to push for Hannah Fort. Hannah Fort's another good one. Manity is number one in my heart. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, ha- d- let us know. Hashtag Team Manity or hashtag Team Hannah Fort. Mm. Uh, tag at Muller. She wrote on Twitter. We'll have we'll fight it out. I'm Team Bella. Or we'll hug it out. <laughs> we'll hug it out. Yeah. yeah. We don't fight. Uh, but anyway, this week, Jaleesa, you're going to cover that for us in Hot Notes. Oh, yeah. So funny. These texts. Oh, my <laughs> God. And also just sad. Definitely more sad than funny, but there's some good moments. There's <laughs> laughter in there. <laughs> Um, they're really bad at texting too. Yeah, they're total like just dad how they talk. texters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of them are just fun to read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you just say? <laughs> uh, let's see. Deutsche Bank is in the news again. Um, German, of course. We know, not Russian. Uh, this week they faced criminal a criminal investigation for potential money laundering crimes involving Jared Kushner. We kind of knew this was coming. Uh, it springs from a story we covered a couple weeks ago about a whistleblower named Tammy McFadden who tried to send suspicious activity reports flagged for money laundering and problematic transactions, including some linked to Kush. Uh, this criminal investigation is one element of several separate but overlapping government examinations of how illicit funds flow through the American financial system. The whistleblower was fired after publicly criticizing the institution's handling of these suspicious activity reports, which are filed with FinCEN in the Treasury Department, which, as we know, is run by Steve. <laughs> and uh, one of, I think, William Barr's daughter works at FinCEN or daughter-in-law or something like that, some, <laughs> some nepotistic bullshit. Uh, and uh, some of uh, this whistleblower's colleagues had similar experiences in 2017 with Trump himself. So they are now looking at that. And I think that that's a very important sort of thing that they that they that they're going through. This is an important exercise. And like I said, there's a lot of investigations into Deutsche Bank right now. So then something should be coming for Kushner soon. Yeah. Yeah. I think you would so. think, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. If it's money laundering on behalf of Kushner. Oh, yeah. I've had him on my list for a long time. Yeah, it might be really interesting to keep your eye on Kushner. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's going on behind the scenes with Kushner. We'll get into a little bit more of that later. But this um, this whistleblower, it's really just an interesting story with with this. You know, you know, she's up there because there's apparently there's this wealth fund guy like who handles the the suspicious activity reports and the funding of loans to the super or ultra wealthy. Right. It's like her boss, right? Right. Or, you know, just another step in the chain to get the get the SAR filed, SAR mm-hmm. being the suspicious activity report. And she's given all these to him and he's like, nah, nah, nah. Yeah. Nah. Like a goalie, just knocking him <laughs> out of the way. Yeah. Right. But she's like, there's a red flag for money laundering activities with Kushner. And uh, again, some other of her colleagues, you know, found these same kind of red flags with Trump. And I know that there was a huge Washington St- or Washington Street Journal. I'm just combining. <laughs> I'm going to start it. <laughs> Wall Street Journal report out um, and a WAPO report out uh, a year ago talking about all of the you know 84 million dollars or something like that in in real estate investment just from Russians in Florida alone under Trump and how 
how that is a red flag, you know, and they have all these, you know, different, you know, obvious triggers that, you know, automatically red flag these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And and she's handing them over and they're like, no, no, nothing to see here. And then she got fired. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they said that they fired her because she, there was something so dumb. Like she wasn't, she was supposed to combine her reports into one PDF when she sent them and she was sending them in separate PDFs. Oh, so it was like overloading the government with like, they said it was like false red flags or something like that no not even that just like a strictly administrative error right that's ridiculous same reports just separated instead of combined uh and they were saying something about how it clogs their inboxes and makes it difficult to send and receive communications but if you combine a bunch of pdfs i'm assuming it's going to be roughly the same size as separated ones exactly (laughs) like maybe i'm wrong maybe the ag can't it's like your it's like your joke about when people say you need to combine your suitcases because they're over the This happened to me at the airport. I was traveling to Vegas and the lady got on the loudspeaker and said, uh, we have a weight restriction on this flight. So if you're traveling with more than one piece of luggage, could you put them inside each other? Thank you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and there's people putting their luggage inside their luggage like, yeah, weighs less now. Let's go. It's wonderful. Vegas, Just, man. Vegas. <laughs> yeah, it could have been anywhere, but specifically Vegas. Um, I wonder if she could sue for wrongful termination. I think she might be. I would. And then um, how much? they could uncover from going through that lawsuit maybe yeah like a discovery and a deposition and mm-hmm. that and seeing if the federal courts would allow that lawsuit to go forward um this kind of reminds me of the wrongful termination of andy mccabe uh he didn't combine pdfs or anything like that but you know they had him targeted for very other specific reasons particularly and specifically lack of candor uh <laughs> in an ig investigation which is such a broad and vague term. Mm-hmm. That, and he did correct the record, and it wasn't even that off mm-hmm. from what he had said previously. He was just taken aback by the questioning in the first place. And he's like, what? Yeah. yeah. So here you have these. And then, of course, Strzok gets fired from the Mueller team for his uh, personal texts. texts over to Page. And that's a good removal there sure. because, you know, he didn't get fired from the FBI. Uh, he just got moved off of Mueller's team because of the appearance. And this is how the FBI works. Even if there's an appearance of bias, not because the IG Horowitz found that there was no bias in Struck and Page's work in right. their work product. There was it was unaffected by bias. Same with Comey. And a lot of Trump supporters don't realize that mm-hmm. that that Trump's in, in, Inspector General found that there was no bias influencing their work product. It just looked bad, and Mueller was like, "That's enough." But Mueller's like, "Great, I'm glad you can still work for the FBI, but you can't be on my team anymore because now we just have the appearance of you hating everyone." Which mm-hmm. he which he did. It wasn't just oh, Trump. Yeah. No, the texts were about everybody. He hated Hillary. Yeah. He hated Bernie. He hated everything. He was mad at the world. I don't blame him, but yeah, it it was a bad look. Yep, certainly. And so that was, I think that's a good removal. But here, this this whistleblower is uh, clearly uh, wrongful termination. Oh my goodness. Right? Because I saw their article about how their general reason for not passing along the reports was because they thought that they were just too many reports. They didn't want to overload the government. But then specifically to fire her for too many PDFs. It's like ridiculous. Like, none, yeah, of, none but, of their arguments make sense. But now that I think about it, it's not even the government. It's Deutsche Bank. Right. But who do they, the FBI, I guess, is who they're referring to, sending over the uh, reports to the FBI, right? That would no, be, no. She, no, she sends them to the Deutsche Bank guy yeah and, and then this is her choose. firing by deutsche bank right right yeah. but they're the ones that get to choose to move it on right and who do they who do they send it to it's not the fbi yeah but it has nothing to do with whether or not she's combining the pdfs yeah yeah i'm and just they thinking don't about send it to the fbi they send it to fincen oh, okay 
Yeah. I'm not even sure what that is. That's actually. the financial crimes unit inside the Treasury Department. Okay, okay, yeah. So our, what I was reading in the article is that their general reason for not passing along her reports was because they didn't want to overload that department. Oh, with they a were bunch. saying they okay. were saying. That. Oh, right, but that but wasn't now, due to the size of the PDF exactly, reports. That just, was just due to work. Right, and yeah. the, all of their arguments are ridiculous. None yeah. of them have ground. They're dumb. Yeah, they're super dumb. Now I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, no sorry. It's yeah, all that, good. it wasn't a, a megabyte thing. It was a <laughs> that's too much reading. Yeah, <laughs> that's what that boils down to. Essentially, yeah, for yeah. both arguments. Stick <laughs> <laughs> can't to read. No reads. All right, guys, we'll be right back. Stick around because this week gets intense. Hey guys, this is Ag, and I'm here to talk about Noom. Noom is a habit-changing solution that helps you develop a new relationship with health and well-being. Uh, they use a personalized approach to tailor plans just for you based in psychology. So they teach you why you do what you do, how to break old habits, and how to develop new ones by arming you with the tools and knowledge that you need to do so. It's based on a cognitive behavioral approach, which is a well-studied method for overcoming obstacles and, you know, those uh, irrational thoughts that can derail us. Noom is not a diet, guys. It's not about weight loss. It's not only about weight loss. It's about being healthy on your own terms and without guilt. It's a logical way to develop the kind of healthy lifestyle that's best for you and the tricks and tips to stick to it. There's no shaming. There's no judgment. It's just a great community of folks there to support you when you need it. I have a very busy schedule with writing and travel. I run into roadblocks when it comes to trying to be healthy on the road. But one of my biggest issues is time management, and that's why Noom works so well for me. It's only about 10 minutes a day, and everything I need is all in one place. I used to have to manage multiple apps to, you know, track my steps, log my food, record my heart rate, uh, log my exercise, get nutrition information, and chat with goal specialists. But Noom puts it all in one easy-to-use app right in the palm of my hand. So I started using it about six months ago. My goal was to ditch my all-or-nothing approach to diet and exercise. I would go super hard for eight weeks and then give it up for a while, then have to get back into it. So I'd lose weight and gain weight, which is bad for my heart, bad for my mental health, and I'd feel so much shame when I would break my own impossible rules. But with Noom, I lost about 15 pounds up front, but then through moderation and tricks and tips and learning to enjoy life with treats and relaxation and not feeling guilty, I've been able to maintain that. Uh, it's, so it's been a huge load off my mind. It's not just about how I look, it's about how I feel and about my stress level going down. So right now, Noom is designed for results, as we know. So it's out with the old habits, in with the new. Sign up for your trial today at Noom. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash A-G. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com slash A-G to start your trial today. Again, that's Noom.com slash A-G to start losing weight for good. Hey, guys. Welcome back. <laughs> What's up? <sighs> Dude, the mockingbird kept me up all night. Oh, I forgot to put that in correction. I was gonna say I thought maybe you uh, chose to leave that out for any reason, but yeah, that was one of our corrections about the mockingbird. Yeah, yeah, so in yeah. The middle of the night, I think on like Thursday or something like that, we released a daily episode for patrons, and I came in at midnight and I was like, "Hey, it's Ag. That friggin' bird is outside again." <laughs> and I let everybody listen to it for a while, and I'm like, "Is it a mockingbird?" Is I was pretty sure it was mockingbird, but I wasn't sure. You know, I didn't know for certain. Yeah, yeah. And we got a ton of emails. We have a lot of birders. In That's our, cool. In our community, <laughs> a lot yes. of bird lovers. And I did get the collar for the cat with the bell on it. Oh, cool. Um, so he hasn't killed any more birds. Oh, good. <laughs> That's right. I haven't seen yeah. any trophies so, around here. <laughs> we're saving lives. One, or lizards. One or bird li at a time. Yeah. Lizards. I don't can know. Lizards if they can hear? hear the bell. Well, well, they have ears. I, I, I think they have holes. They have head holes. <laughs> 
but no flaps. We need to figure out what's going on with those head holes, man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the birds are safe. Uh, and But this one was keeping me up right outside, really trying to get laid super hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but it's a mockingbird. And you guys, thank you so much for those emails. But anyway, uh, that's why I'm a little sleepy today. <laughs> Stupid yeah, bird. They're, they're known for keeping people up. He goes right? from 11 to 3 in the morning. Yeah. That's yeah. my sleepy time. That is the uh, we closed the graveyard shift. We went there. outside. We tried to, we played. A, a sound of a red-tailed hawk at him and he wouldn't leave wow uh, he's like i have that app <laughs> i tried to make the sound myself but i ended up sounded like that crazy giant bird in clash of the titans mm-hmm. the original and then he mocked you the whole night <laughs> he did and that's why he's called a mockingbird uh he's beautiful i'm sure i love his song It'd be great if he could do it during the day so yeah. i'm gonna write a letter and see what happens Aww. i'm gonna call my reps nice. susan davis help me out <laughs> Uh, I refuse to hurt the bird, so it's just like we have to maybe try to relocate him somehow. I've heard super soakers help, but I, I'm I'm worried about getting his wings wet, and that yeah. could like, oh, that no. could hamper super his flying. Super soakers, <laughs> mm-hmm. he just blast them off the fence. No, 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 no. <laughs> just get him wet. One of our patrons <laughs> suggested that. This is not my idea. What twelve year old emailed us? <laughs> <laughs> I just like super soakers. I like them too. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I don't want to hurt the bird, so I'm going to do a little more yeah. research. But hey, talking about representatives, you just dropped Susan Davis. I I just moved, and I moved into Scott Peters district now. Oh. And Interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So now we got a whole spread of all the representatives That's on this awesome. podcast. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we do. Susan Davis is a little not progressive for me. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I would run against her, but... She's in a very like progressive district too. Very strange. Yeah, and her, she, her name recognition is super hard to overcome. So, mm-hmm. uh, all right, guys. Anyway, back to just the facts. Uh, <laughs> during an interview this week with reporters from Time Magazine, Trump waved around a love letter from Kim Jong Un, and then threatened one of the reporters with prison time. Um, after basically he was waving, you know, waving around this photo, and this the reporter took a picture of the of the letter, waving around a letter, excuse me, and the a reporter took a picture of the letter, and then Trump got super pissed. So allow me to reenact this uh, dramatic <laughs> moment. Excuse me, under Section Two, well, you can go to prison instead because if you use if you use the photograph you took of the letter that I gave you confidentially, I don't give it to you to take photographs of it. So don't play that game with me. Let me just tell you something. You take a look. And then the reporter goes, I'm sorry, Mr. President, were you threatening me with prison time? And Trump goes, well, I told you the following. I told you, you can look at it off the record. <laughs> look at something off the record. I love it. That doesn't mean you take <laughs> out your camera and start taking pictures of it, okay? So I hope you don't have a picture of it. I know you were very quick to pull out. Mm. <laughs> uh, even if you were surprised to see that, you can't do that stuff. So go have fun with your story because I'm sure it'll be the 28th horrible story I have in Time Magazine with all I've done and the success I've had and the way that Time Magazine is absolutely incredible. <laughs> it, what a baby. He is the biggest baby. Baby Trump. Stand true. Sorry, the way that Time Magazine writes is absolutely incredible. Yeah, I figure he just trailed off into like... Pretty much exactly it. Basically. And Wall Street Journal even did an op-ed on... Trump calling the New York Times the enemy of the people today or this week and, and Wall Street Journal stood up for New York Times, which is a r- really cool piece. Yeah, because uh, Wall Street Journal is much more right leaning than the other publications. Yeah, totally. And they are kind of rival papers. But the, yeah, they said Trump is this is absolutely ridiculous. His attack on the press. Is... The New York Times confuses me, though, because aren't there journalists not allowed to be on Rachel Maddow? Yep. But they're allowed to be on Russian state television. They're making weird decisions. There. Yeah, they must be split with their staff there. One hundred percent. Because, yeah, some of their articles, it's very clearly sort of more in like the Wall Street Journal-ish mm-hmm. kind of side. Yeah, it's it's, it's yeah, very much uh, allied. Post. I'm going to make that a newspaper. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm more of a WAPO, Politico. 
Same. Uh, Daily Beast. I like the talking points memo. They they end up being correct a mm-hmm. lot of the time. But most of the time I go to, like, our friends, Deadman, uh, Natasha Bertrand, uh, Empty Wheel, uh, Marcy Wheeler. She's amazing. Uh, these are the kind of news sources that I really rely mm-hmm. on. Um, uh, so, anyway, yeah, Trump's being a dick this week <laughs> in the news, uh, just in case you missed it. Uh, so the Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, we know them as crew, filed a complaint with the Office of Special Counsel, not Mueller's, just the regular one, uh, this week, accusing Ivanka Trump of violating the Hatch Act, citing a tweet from Princess Royale two days before the president's 2020 campaign launch saying, make America great again, the best is yet to come. Uh, if by best you mean worst, mm-hmm. and by come you mean shit on your face, then sure. Um, under the Hatch Act... <laughs> the worst is yet to shit on your face, is how that translates. Yeah. <laughs> uh, under the Hatch Act, it is illegal to use your official government account to post political support or opposition for a candidate, political candidate for office, which is what she did in this Instagram post. Crew also cited multiple political posts and retweets on Twitter from Ivanka. This came right on the heels of the Office of Special Counsel recommending the removal of Kellyanne Conway for violating the Hatch Act. Ladies, do I need to write you a book on how to not violate the Hatch Act? I mean, you might. (laughs) I mean, it is... The Hatch Act is a written thing that you could mm-hmm. read. Uh, Call it Hatching the Hatch Act. <laughs> <laughs> Smashing the Crotch Act there by you go. AG. I love it. What, what, what is annoying to me is that I know that people are going to see these things and be like, oh, they're just trying to get at his kids. They're just trying to get to Trump. And then they don't understand what a world looks like, in which case people are violating the Hatch Act all the time. Mm-hmm. That's where you get, that's like the start of an authoritarian government. Oh, it's, yeah. it's a big deal. It doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal, but it is actually a very big deal on principle. You're so right. It's one of the 93 tiny instances of him chipping away at what a democratic republic is and, and kind of <clears throat> venturing into dictatorial and authoritarian behavior Mm -hmm. and i'm going to go into a little bit more on that a little bit later here in just the facts maybe in a couple minutes and because i stumbled upon a thought that was in my head that terrified me did you ever do that (laughs) (laughs) terrify yourself (laughs) and i'm going to terrify you with it so uh get a glass of wine ready uh not yet though we have we have a ways to go there's buffer zone i'll give you a content warning um it's well uh, that was the content warning (laughs) there there it was but uh, we do have um, some more news stories before we get to it, so I'll give you a heads up. Although I don't think it's, I don't know, maybe it's triggering. Uh, I don't know. We'll see what emails come through. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Roger Stone had until Friday to explain how he did not violate his gag order. Uh, and Jordan, you'll be covering that for us in Hot Notes. Mm-hmm. What a cool dude he is. <laughs> it's uh, like a broken record he is. <laughs> Just he's doing the same shit. And he gets so much patience from these judges, too. He keeps getting his head pointed, mm-hmm. and then what? You know, his ass should be in jail. It yeah. should have been in jail a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think this might be the line mm-hmm. for Judge Jackson. If you're nasty, I really hope so. But we'll see. She's also facing another gag order issue, and we'll talk about that later. So uh, this week, intelligence officials have expressed concern that Attorney General Barr will challenge their 2017 assessment that Russia helped Trump during the 2016 election. Pretty common knowledge, and everyone sort of agrees on this. Uh, For those of us that aren't idiots, it's blatantly clear that Russia interfered in the 2016 election, and they did so to hurt Hillary Clinton and to help Donald Trump. The Mueller report says as much, as does the Republican-led Senate Intelligence Committee. They made that determination, and all 17 intelligence agencies agreed uh, to that in, in assessment in January of 2017 when they, you know, they were ordered by Barack Obama to find out if, you know, Russia interfered and did they help Trump? Did they hurt Hillary? 
According to sources familiar with the matter, Barr is looking into whether there were disagreements among the intelligence analysts who produced the findings and whether those findings were motivated by political disagreement with Trump, despite multiple previous reviews debunking that myth. As we all know, Trump gave Barr the keys to the intel kingdom when he empowered him to declassify any information he sees fit as part of his review and ordered the intel chiefs to cooperate. Barr hired Durham, a top federal prosecutor in Connecticut, to lead the probe, and they're already working to thwart what pretty much everyone, including Trump and Russia, have already admitted is blatantly true. Russia interfered to help Trump and hurt Hillary. As far as we know, analysts only disagreed at, on one point, and that's how confident they were <laughs> that Russia interfered to hurt Hillary and help Trump. Um, they, you know, the CIA and FBI had high confidence, while the NSA had moderate confidence. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and put some beans on bar, cherry-picking classified intel, showing this disagreement, and releasing certain sent sentences of it to bolster Trump's view that Russia didn't help him get elected. Mm -hmm. And we all know how closely he guards his electoral win. Not his popular vote win. He literally wears it on his desk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he does on Hope Hicks' desk. He had a big, big electoral dick map. Yeah. Uh, and despite having lost by millions of votes, which he claims came from illegal immigrants, which is untrue. Uh, in fact, the commission he set up to determine that determined it wasn't true and then shut down because there wasn't any voter fraud. <laughs> Uh, he, he's so fragile, he can't admit Russia interfered on his behalf because he feels it would delegitimize his election and make his penis smaller than it already is, uh, figuratively. And uh, <laughs> and he does so at our peril mm -hmm. because now he, he's not standing up to Russia at all. And we've seen this over and over again. Helsinki, the private conversations, no notes, no note takers allowed, no translators can be subpoenaed. He's just a giant kowtowing coward yeah mm -hmm. and i think this is where you see one of the big impacts that presidents can have on the senate mm -hmm. and the house but you see mitch mcconnell who's taking leads from him refusing to allow any bills go through that actually relate to election security yeah mm -hmm. can we impeach mitch as well painter <laughs> mentioned something of a sore he's like fire mitch i'm like how do we fire him just you vote him out jesus Christ. in 2020 he's up for election in 2020 yeah because they're only up for re-election every six years in the yeah, senate but his this is his year yeah, his people, they seem like they might be behind that, though. United is your nap, bro. Yeah, yeah no. Kentucky, he, right? He, yeah, but I mean, maybe we could not. get a better or a less a-hole-ish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe moderate Democrat there. Purple it up. Yeah, yeah. You know, Purp yeah. it up. Purp it up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're, you're totally right, Jordan. He's just like, my election is real. Yeah, that's like one of the few roles that... Well, not. <laughs> I was going to say one of the few roles a president has. But I mean, like, obviously they have many roles and a big red button, which is terrifying. But they um, but but one of like the major influences they actually have on Congress is things that relate to sort of morale and the sentiment behind what everyone in Congress is sort of going to get behind as far as their own party is yeah. concerned. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was like, Mitch, if you don't block everything on Russia, I'm going to come out against you in the 2020 election. Mm. Um, and he's like, no, I have nothing else. Please don't go against me. election, Mr. Trump. Oh, that's really good. <laughs> he knows that he's so hated across the country that he's like in his cushiony position. Yep. That's all he has, really. Yeah. So uh, watch those space beans. <laughs> and um, this isn't Mueller related, but did you guys see the craziness in Oregon this week? 
Dems have a supermajority in the Senate, in Oregon, state Senate, 18 Dems, 11 Republicans. So they wrote a cap and trade bill to lower pollutants to help, you know, help co- combat climate change. Uh, but in the Oregon state Senate, you need a quorum of 20 senators to vote on a bill. There's only 18 Democrats and 11 Republicans, all 11 walked out. Uh, the governor sent troopers out to get the Republicans because they need two Republicans to get their quorum and, and hold their vote. And one of the senators actually said, you better send bachelors heavily armed or I'm, I'm not going to be a politi- political prisoner in Oregon. And then a bunch of uh, militia groups, including that one. Remember that one that was held hold up at the nature preserve yep. for the grazing issues or something like that or something? I don't know. Maybe those are two different issues. But. Yeah, um, sorry. I thought you were going into the other Oregon story. The people that were like uh, hunkered down yeah, with their guns. Those people. Okay. Okay. Yes. The third militia or something. The third something. Totally. The yeah. third Reich probably. Yeah. I was like, that sounds <laughs> uh, like it. They are now, they came armed to the Senate to, uh, to like threaten the Democrats. Whoa. So that's happening today. Oh my Jesus. goodness. Uh, and this is bananas. First of all, cap and trade is a Republican fucking idea. Yeah. This is a Republican idea from like the 90s. Uh, and the, the people of Oregon voted, and this uh, this is the Senate they picked, and these assholes refused to show up and vote because there's a bill on the table that might combat climate change. It's nuts. Wow. They just want us to die? Yeah, I don't know. They must. I don't. I really don't understand the the global warming or the anti global warming argument. The like, only thing I can think of is maybe uh, these guys who are in this militia group, like these nature people, these oddly uh, conservative nature people who are for destroying nature, mm-hmm. uh, don't want to have to pay the extra taxes or have the burden oh. of of you know complying with uh, regulations. Short term thinking on cap and trade, but these are cap and trade is for businesses. These are individuals. These yeah. are militias. So I don't even understand what they're. Problem is, <laughs> what are you Anything mad about? that like the hippies want? Like against. maybe they have to pay <laughs> yeah. an extra three cents on their feed or something like that because of, of uh, cap and trade. You know, because I'm sure that these businesses will pass this, you know, onto the consumer yeah, if they have yeah. to cap and trade stuff. They want their plastic uh, bags back, unless it's written in the thing that they can't do that and have to eat the cost themselves. But they rarely do that because you wouldn't get it to pass. But they do have a supermajority, so they don't even need the Republicans right. to pass this. So you know, mm-hmm. I haven't looked at the details, but if people are struggling already, like poor people, then they're just going to be anxious. And- any little thing will set them off like even ignorant poor people like they just they're probably it's really tense right now everyone's they tense they don't know yeah. who to blame i'm not saying it's right i'm just saying no, like, right, what else could drive them to also are they guns? are they poor i don't, I don't know. know i, I just assume i feel like it, it usually requires still a decent amount of privilege to be able to like live secluded with all of your guns and a house in the That's woods true. And, yeah. and based on their last standoff i think this is just more keep your government out of my area mm. except for uteruses right <laughs> stay in there and gays <laughs> yeah yeah stay. Mm, stay in the gay and lady genitalia <laughs> but everything else get out <laughs> Uh, so finally, guys, and this is the thing I was telling you about. So uh, oh, I think warning. I think you'll love it. Um, it's <clears throat> it's a thought I found in my head, just stumbled across it and went, oh fuck. Um, <laughs> as the election draws near, it's becoming pretty obvious what Trump's mo is, modus operandi. Uh, so he lights a fire, then he puts it out, and then he asks for a cookie. We saw him do this three times uh, in the last couple weeks. First of all, last week, when we predicted correctly, he would cancel the tariffs on Mexico at the last minute in an effort to freak out the market and get his Fed chair, the first one without an econ degree ever, to lower interest rates. Um, And that would basically, you know, falsely boost the economy. Right. Remember we were talking about that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, this Friday, Neil Kashkari, president of the Fed Reserve Bank in Minneapolis, said he pushed for a half percent cut during the last meeting, which was like June 17th or to 19th. Um, But that 
during that meeting, the Fed chair announced he would not be raising interest rates when we all thought he would. So we were correct there. I'm still asking folks to look into what stock movement happened with the Trumps and his allies before and just following that announcement. Still haven't heard, but I think maybe Cruz looking into it. Then we had two more incidents this week. First, Trump claimed he ordered a strike on Iran uh, be called off at the last minute, claiming uh, he asked about with 10 minutes to launch how many civilian casualties there'd be. Uh, and they told him 150. So he called off the launch because it just seemed disproportionate. I immediately tweeted, that is a lie. Everyone knows that when the DOD lays out options for military response, they always include collateral damage. And collateral damage is how many civilian deaths there would be, includes that. And that Trump surely knew how many casualties there would be prior to ordering the launch in the first place. And what do you know? The Daily Beast reported Friday that Trump approved the strikes, fully aware that Iranians would die as a result. And according to t- this is according to two senior Trump administration officials. This isn't you know me uh trump says he was cocked and loaded which isn't a thing uh, but that is the name of a porn movie a gay porn movie (laughs) and then he changed his mind 10 minutes before the strike according to a senior administration official quote yes he was briefed earlier that day the military has a standard in which the president is briefed on a potential strike the battle damage assessment is included in that it's always part of the package and that included possible military and civilian casualties so we were right about that Mm -hmm. even more frightening The two administration officials said they fear that if Fox News criticizes him for pulling back, he could attack Iran anyhow because he hates to appear weak. So then finally, Trump had threatened via tweet that ICE raids were going to begin in 10 major cities this week. This caused many governors to say that they would not assist and cities to say that they would not take part in this. And multiple nonprofits and individuals, including ourselves, offered hiding places for immigrants if it came down to it. Multiple organizations circulated memes in Spanish and English listing individuals' rights if ICE came breaking down their doors. And many families were scared and distraught uh, with the thought of being hauled off to military concentration camps and being separated from their children. Uh, It was something out of a World War II movie. But right before the raids were set to begin, uh, and some had already begun by eyewitness reports, Trump called it off, giving the Democrats an ultimatum to fund his concentration camps or face uh, the same deal in two weeks. Wow. So these are three examples in the last two weeks where Trump has threatened insane things. And I'm not just talking like small shit. This is big shit. Uh, and then pulled back last minute. And this is a common dictatorial move intended to increase his power by frightening us all. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes us more susceptible to control. And he will continue to do this as the election season heats up. And aside from the obvious fear-mongering that's taking place here, this also has the effect of making his threats seem empty. And in order to keep us on the... This is, this is to keep us on the edges of our seats uh, in this constant state of anxiety. Um, And in order to do that, he'll have to follow through with random threats now and then. Dictators know uh, that this kind of intermittent reinforcement conditioning is the most powerful partial reinforcement schedule. So this is why gambling is so addictive. Uh, In intermittent reinforcement conditioning, a subject is given a reward or a punishment with no discernible pattern, causing a constant underlying, underlying anxiety, making it that much more satisfying when a reward is issued or a punishment is withheld. And that constant underlying anxiety is Trump's goal here. Mm -hmm. He's trying to keep us in constant fear so that when he does something like call off a raid or doesn't bomb Iran, people breathe an extra heavy sigh of relief and connect that good feeling with Trump's decision making. And Nazis used this in concentration camps when they would sometimes execute people and other times not with no pattern or reason. And this kept everyone terrified and willing to work in hopes that something or anything would stave off punishment or death. And they would randomly spare some prisoners, but not others. 
Uh, and if this were just handing out cookies or giving pats on the back, that would be one thing. Uh, but Trump is threatening jobs, the economy, civilian lives, family separation, detention and death. So pay attention to this as election season heats up and Trump tries to scare us all into electing him again. It's mm-hmm. just something I want everybody to keep at the, at the top of their minds that this behavior is, I think, what is going on. And I think it's intentional. Yeah, oh, definitely. Like a collective Stockholm experience we're all having. Yeah, totally. He's like, um, it's like being in a relationship with an abusive person, right? Because you come home constantly with the fear that something's going to happen. And then when they don't do something, then you get that, yeah, Stockholm syndrome where you're appreciative for their benevolence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I. you start to really like someone and, and trust them because they aren't hurting you. Mm-hmm. Or it's, they praise him for basic things like, oh, you read from the teleprompter. You're such a good president. Yeah. You know, like really lowering the bar in every area. Yeah. And that feeds into gaslighting and it feeds into normalizing uh, things that shouldn't be normalized. So mm-hmm. I, I just want to be everyone to be aware of that. I- intermittent conditioning. Uh, it's it's real. And I, I, I think it's something that he's he's using to give us all this just impending sense of doom mm-hmm. so that when he doesn't do something we all oh God, okay yeah and he'll claim that the other people the, the opposition will do all those things if he's not elected or all those things will happen like war all the things he's threatening he projects it and claims the others will do it and he or has done it or, or have he can done save it. you from it you mm-hmm. know it's crazy i'm the only one i'm the only one who can save you mm-hmm. yeah and he it, said that a million times yeah and on the more logistical side too it's a huge waste of government resources whenever he does that because everybody gets ready for what he's saying he's gonna do and then he just calls it off mm-hmm. it's a huge waste of resources and they're it's shitty that i mean whatever whatever that may be right because like he makes these announcements there's meetings there's extra meetings there's extra work hours there's extra arranging their lives yes and this is just from the people of privilege and government not to mention the actual civilians who are the ones that actually are going through like the worst anxiety and it's 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 so textbook like you said authoritarian yeah and that money could be used to you know buy soap and toothbrushes for children oh, yes my goodness. um who shouldn't th- even be in the situation where they need to be provided yeah. the video clips we're having now they're going to go down in history it's yeah like, how in the hell did we let this happen yeah and that's like yeah it keeps the it keeps the government from actually focusing on things that are going to make the situations better instead they're running around scrambling trying to you know reactively respond to what he says and then it does even it doesn't none of it even matters and now like you said it's training everybody to it's a boy who cried wolf situation right so how many resources are they really going to put into these threats that through history you know are becoming more empty and then he when he actually strikes they're not going to have the resources in place to actually respond adequately right so in two weeks if he goes forward with the raids um that is an intermittent punishment that's part of intermittent conditioning. Conditioning, and is anybody going to be ready for it? Because are we all going to be like, uh huh, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's how Katrina happened and FEMA and all that. Yeah, it's mm, happened before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what he does. That's that's how it works uh, for him. So yeah. Mm. So I I really like your feedback on on this particular. I know this isn't the most humorous or hopeful or light in the dark sort of situation, which we're kind of try to be known for. Uh, but I I I just thought it was important. For everyone to be aware that it could be happening and to, you know, I don't know how maybe somebody has some information on how to combat that and to, to not feel that general anxiety. I don't know how that is feasible because I think we're all feeling it. But maybe there's some stuff that we can do um, to kind of help uh, 
regulate that uh, feeling. Or, and I, but I definitely think that knowing about it and being aware of it is definitely a step in the right direction. So mm-hmm. that's why I wanted to tell you all about it. So let me know what you think. Hello at MullerSheWrote.com. Um, and, uh, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it further as these things continue to happen and they will, as the election goes on. Yeah, I will. Uh, I, I very much hesitate to call it a silver lining because there's not many of those that come out of anything, but when he does make these crazy announcements, I do find a lot of optimism and hope in the responses from people and government agencies or LAPD for example saying they're not going to partake in any of the raids and stuff like that so absolutely the information that circulates very quickly all those yeah yeah. your your allies become very prominent very quickly when he does these things Mm -hmm. yeah and it's definitely a a balance uh like it's way more on one side than the other absolutely so that's good it kind of draws out that goodness in in us Mm -hmm. uh it, it i i preferred when we had a president like Obama who drew out the goodness in us by doing good things. <laughs> yeah, um, but it, he's still around. You know, I feel like he's still with us. He is. Uh, he, yeah, he, is. he says he's going to wait for his comeback. No, yeah. he, he, said, <laughs> yeah. he he put out a statement like a couple of days ago saying he was going to get involved in the 2020 election somehow, like as far as activism. So I wonder what that's going to look like. You know? Yeah, he's taking a well-deserved four-year vacation. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think although Warren I know he's pick not. him as VP. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> How crazy would that be? I swear to God, though, if Biden tries to make him vp and he says yes i would be so pissed i don't think he would do that i I bet that discussion's already happened like no joe (laughs) Mm, sorry joe Mm, it's not gonna happen not this time like i'll give you a massage (laughs) whatever you need change is necessary and that is not change yeah we need young blood we need fresh ideas (laughs) we have to do it that way but thanks joe i love that i love you all right guys we'll be right back You've heard about neighborhood watch groups, right? Uh, Neighbors looking out for each other, keeping their community safe. Well, get this. The Neighborhood Watch is now an app on your phone. And you might be wondering, how does that even work? Uh, The app is called Neighbors, and it's by Ring. That's the company behind those video doorbells and security cameras. Uh, With the Neighbors app, you receive real-time safety alerts from your neighbors, and it helps us stay informed about what's going on in our neighborhoods. And it's totally free. You can try it. If you love it, you keep it, you use it. I love it. It's awesome. If you don't love it, it's free. No, No skin off your back. You don't even need to own a Ring device to use this app. Uh, I downloaded the free app. I was able to set my neighborhood area using a really easy map filter because I kind of live on a peninsula with canyons. Uh, And it's been very, very helpful. Recently, a neighbor posted that she lost her cat. uh, And because we have this app, we were able to look out using the Ring cameras and we found the cat. Um, we located him and we got we got him back to her safely. So it was a very nice love story. While it's extremely helpful for safety tips, I really found it's an online collaboration. It's proven to be extremely helpful for stuff like lost pets or lost packages. We get packages delivered to wrong houses because we have weird street names out here. So it's been super helpful. Um, it's really about neighbors helping neighbors. And I, I've met more of my neighbors using this app than I have just living here for the last three years. So you need to check it out. It's, it's different from other apps in that way. Uh, the fact is this app is making it easier for my neighbors to work together and keep our community safe there's millions of people using it already it's like a new neighborhood watch powered by real people so if you want to help make sure you and your neighborhood are safe download the free neighbors app today go to ring.com ag to download from ios or android app stores that's ring.com ag make your neighborhood safer today with the neighbors app by ring you'll be glad you did All right, welcome back. Hot notes. 
All right, guys, welcome to Hot Notes today. Jordan, you're going to talk about Stone and Judge Jackson if you're nasty. But first, Jaleesa, what's going on with the Manafort text? <laughs> this is my new favorite thing. This is pretty funny. So in this week's edition of Hey, You Up, we learned that a court <laughs> unsealed over 50 pages of text messages between Paul Manafort and Sean Hannity, now known as Manity or H- Hannafort. God, I love that one. Um, hashtag Team Manity. Yes, yes. So the texts were from <laughs> July 2017 to June 2018, and it was a whole year of bromance. Very desperate bromance. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Set the tone. And these messages, we can see that they discussed everything from... Or is it more like... Oh, definitely the latter. Yeah, that's kind of the vibe I was getting. Yeah. <laughs> so They're cocked and loaded. <laughs> That's what he meant. (laughs) We can see that they discussed everything from Manafort's trials to Hannity's on-air rants about the Mueller investigation. In fact, after the FBI did that no-knock raid at Manafort's house, Hannity texted him, quote, Please know you are in my prayers. To which Manafort quickly replied, Thank you. I need them. I feel so violated. This is just really ironic. Um, the country feels violated. <laughs> then later that day, Hannity wrote, Cocked and loaded, a white privilege story. <laughs> it's so real. The privilege is like, I don't think they're even aware of how real it is. So later that day, Hannity wrote, There are so many obvious crimes that are not being investigated. If you ever want to talk, grab dinner, vent, strategize, whatever. I am here. I know this is very hard. Stand tall and strong. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, tall and strong. Stand tall and strong. Okay, we should okay. just do a whole episode of If You Know What I'm Talking About. I love it. Just put If You Know What I'm Saying at the end of some of these tweets and let's see how they turn out. Okay, okay. A few days later, after Hannity talked major shit about Mueller on his show, Manafort said, I appreciate what you tried to do. Mueller is trying to intimidate me. The raid is just one example. I won't let him succeed, but it is very lonely fighting this fight. I feel all alone out there, except for you and a few others. Our side is not engaged if you know what i mean <laughs> what what do they mean our side is not engaged they're That's... not like attacking the well, left but you yeah, mean specifically totally. well yeah, yeah i mean it's more rhetorical yeah, uh, yeah. i mean it sounds yeah. very sketchy right well i mean it's like they're incredibly engaged <laughs> they're like, what do you mean you're not engaged fucking the trump is the president and you have an entire group of people that refuse we need somebody really plugged into the government on our side <laughs> honestly that's what it sounds <laughs> yeah. like yeah he's like we need more counterattacks more uh, how about sketch trump the co- congress the senate and the house because <laughs> yeah. at the time it's it not was enough all for him they yeah. want more shade exactly yeah. yeah only only they could have a pardon dangled to them by the president and, and say they're all enough. alone yeah <laughs> like, want to dangle a pardon if you know what i mean oh yes mm. cocked and loaded i feel like we need greg proofs for this bit we really do <laughs> then later that same day manafort wrote the media is trying to split me with dt and family by lies and untruths who the fuck says untruths <laughs> Them. Lies and untruths. Yeah, They're different. Yes. Because oh. as you know, facts can be different. Oh, There's okay. alternative facts. Alternative right. untruths. So yeah. they have lies and truth untruths. Truth isn't truth. That's yeah. right. And a fact that a lie is a lie, but the untruth is uh, not a lie. Yes. It's just an untruth. Put that on Giuliani's tombstone, right? <laughs> <laughs> God. The most rambly tombstone. I, I want to write my own. I want to write my own. <laughs> He's got just his teeth sitting up on top of it. Oh, my God. It's all rambly forever. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That'd be great. The ghost of Guglielmi. <laughs> so after Manafort did the untruth line, Hannity replied, it is such a dirty game. If you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> 
then Manafort started talking about how expensive this fight would be for him. And I can't be for sure, but it looks like Hannity went quiet after that. So I guess when he said, let him know if he needed anything, he didn't mean money. <laughs> so he's one of those friends. Uh, then <laughs> two months later, after Manafort and Gates were indicted, Hannity texted, hey, you okay? <laughs> then they talked more about the struggle of white privileged men. And then on November 28th, 2017, Manafort was complaining to Hannity about Andrew Weissman, the lead prosecutor of the Mueller investigation. And Hannity replied, yep, disgusting. I'll be in the cell next to you. Oh, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> and something I noticed about these texts is that it was definitely a lot of Manafort kind of jerking Hannity off. Like he would be like, oh, my God, you have the best breakdown of the Russia hoax I've ever heard. You're the best. Your show's so awesome. Mm-hmm. I love you. I love Absolutely. you, man. Absolutely. Hannity would reply with things like, yeah, fuck them. And at one time, Hannity actually texted Manafort, are you up? <laughs> it happened. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. New phone, who dis? <laughs> Burner phone. Wait, I have 14 phones. Who dis? Yeah. <laughs> Another one of my favorite parts is right before Gates pleaded guilty, Manafort was telling Hannity that he was for sure Gates wouldn't flip. He was like, Gates is solid. We don't have to worry about him. And the next day he flips. It's perfect. And then Manafort even told Hannity in one exchange that he would never give up DT or family, especially JK. He said, I would never do that. And Hannity replied, understand, there is nothing to give up on DT. But what did JK do? And then Manafort replied, oh, nothing. Just like I did nothing. They will want me to make up shit. Okay. (laughs) Just like you did nothing. That's the worst defense you could give in that situation. It's so obvious. And here's some uh, honorable mentions. So he's guilty of 46 crimes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because if it's just like you, that's that's 46 felonies. I love it. Uh, Found found guilty on eight. I'll take eight. There were so many ridiculous things. I couldn't even get them all in here, but uh, a few honorable mentions were. (laughs) (laughs) Hannity said that the left may win and get me fired at some point, but I don't give a shit. I'll get two Dixie cups and talk to myself. If you know what I'm saying. Is that is that like an Alex Jones reference or something? I was trying to figure that out. Oh. Two Dixie cups? What does that mean? Just two oh, cups, right? Just you the, know, like how you have like the cans cups of on the water string. or and something? a telephone, like an old oh. school. Yeah. So he's just going to make a radio out of Dixie cups okay. and talk yeah. to himself. I understand now. Right. He's going to jerk himself off. I was yes. thinking that jerking to the Dixie cups. I always that. thought that was a metal can thing. Not what, Dixie cup. Okay, yeah. yeah. Really but, anything you can get. But he knows, as well as <clears throat> most Republicans know, you can't get metal cans in prison. Right. Dixie cups. And Dixie cups are, I think they're like a very conservative brand, right? Yeah, I'm a red solo cup. It's like a country song. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Dixie and solo, two different things. So we have to make sure. Okay, good point. Good point. Uh, that neither of them sponsor us. Okay. <laughs> Hannity also says he has an FBI friend that swears Hannity's going to get shot. And then he said, ha ha to that. Like he's laughing at his own rumors. And then Manafort said in a fair world, he would get a Pulitzer Prize. <laughs> And finally, Manafort asked Hannity <laughs> if he can tweet out his GoFundMe to raise money for his legal fees. And then Hannity said, Paul, it may be problematic with Fox. I need to get the okay. Hope you understand. So there he is again. Fake ass friend dodging the money question. <laughs> yeah, but Paul Manafort is fake as fuck too. Both, He's just yeah. blowing smoke of his ass because he knows he has a national audience. Oh, for sure. They're both the worst. Like whatever this was, whether it was a PR stunt or not. And I think it's almost too pathetic to be planned. <laughs> but I just think it confirms we already knew, which is Manafort's fucked and possibly Hannity too, right? Yeah. 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 And I have some thoughts on this a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for that. Oh, thank, thank you. you for yeah, that was great. that one. What and a fun. Yeah. That's a, that's a fun game too. Whenever they release texts between Republicans, we should always play, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because really, they're cocked and loaded. Yes. <laughs> All right, Jordan, what's going on with Stone's gag order, if you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. So... <laughs> 
It sounds very similar to the last time that Stone was in this situation. Um, once again, he is looking like he is violating what the judge told him to do. So on June 18th and uh, 19th, he posted to Instagram and Facebook saying that, you know, the case wasn't fair and he was inviting news organizations to cover the whole issue, which is a clear violation of his gag order. He's under Judge Amy Berman Jackson still, and uh, she said that he has until June 27th to explain to her how he has not violated his gag order and why he deserves to not sit in jail until November, basically, because currently he's just hanging out in his home in Florida, the same one he got arrested in. Oh, my goodness. Which was porn to watch. Um, <laughs> and, and so, um, uh, well, I mean, basically, that's that's pretty much it. We're going to see what happens there. But he said in the post, uh, he's, he referred to the Russia hoax. It's, Number one thing you shouldn't say. He <laughs> got in trouble. I think for... he was specifically told not to say that. He was specifically told because this uh, this comes after the last time that he was in something like this. Right was when he uh, is, did the republishing of the book about how everything about the Russia hoax essentially. Mm-hmm. So it's it's so insane that he would do this. And I mean, obviously, talk about fucking white male privilege. Yeah, Just it... thinking enough time has gone by for him to come back around and do the same exactly. shit. Exactly. I feel like it's when. Races like says the n-word so much that when they're like being watched they can't help but still say it it's like he says russia hoax so often that mm-hmm. even a gag order can stop him from freudian slip you know <laughs> totally and then he doubled down on it too it's not even like he just stopped at russia hoax he also claimed that his defense has quote exposed the intelligence community's betrayal of their responsibilities and that his defense has revealed deeply disturbing lessons about the level of corruption at the top levels of of the agencies charged with protecting us from external threats. Hmm. So I really don't see how this is not going to result in him being in jail. I I think that that's what's going to happen because this is such a blatant fuck you mm-hmm. to the judge. Yeah. And I really think that she's sick of it at this point. And, so yeah, and she's been personally attacked by his breaking yes. gag order. So she gave him a real sh- fair shot this last time and I don't think she's going to give him another one. Yeah. It's like dealing with children he is he's like a child yeah it's and so she's a badass super mom hell yeah. yeah she is um so prosecutors uh assistant u.s attorney jonathan kravis um he wrote that stone's post violate this court's order that stone not comment in the media or in public settings about the special counsel's investigation or this case or any of the participants in the investigation or the case so that's pretty cut and dry. We'll find out on Thursday what she decides. And he has to know he's doing... I he's just a dick. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, thank you for Manatee. Mm-hmm. Um, cocked and loaded. So, a lot's going on in Congress, specifically in the House of Representatives this week, starting this last Monday when Democrats told Politico uh, they think they have a new idea about how to get around the White House blockade of witnesses that... Uh, you know, were served um, that served under the Trump administration or during the Trump administration. Their plan is to call people who didn't serve in the White House, uh, and that wouldn't be covered by an assertion of executive privilege, right? They're like, this is how we're going to get around this whole executive privilege thing. Rep. Jamie Raskin said, uh, uh, he's a pro impeachment member of the House Judiciary. He said, quote, 
These people can be called without any reasonable shred of claim of executive privilege, referring to figures like Corey Lewandowski, Rick Gates, Paul Manafort, Chris Christie, and Michael Flynn, who uh, he was offered a pardon after leaving the administration. So it's still unclear whether he was fired or left for some other known reason, mm -hmm. other unknown reason, because remember when Trump was like, oh, yeah, we fired him. That sounds better. So we yeah. know he wasn't fired. Whatever it was, we don't know. But he wasn't fired. Uh, but then Hope Hicks testified this week. And her five lawyers, two from the White House, two personal attorneys, and a Department of Justice lawyer, never actually invoked executive privilege. Instead, they asserted a blanket immunity, which doesn't exist under current law. And I'll be chatting with Joyce Vance about that later during the interview. Stick around for that. In fact, Jerry Nadler made a point of getting her and her lawyers on the record as not asserting any kind of privilege. He was, did it over and over again. Not privilege? Not privilege? You're not privileged. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Uh, he did this, so it's established for when they go to court. Um, and the transcript is out there, and it's real hard to read. Uh, Hicks is really smug and defiant. She didn't really give anyone any useful information because of the errant immunity claims. Uh, her lawyers objected to questions about Lewandowski, so Nadler just made her read the story from the Mueller report because <laughs> she wouldn't just answer the questions, even though they're part of the public record. And she testified to Mueller. Yeah, such simple questions about these too, things. right? Yeah, and so it, it was just it, because, but because it was during her time in the White House. Mm -hmm. She was told by the White House not to ever talk about White anything House in the White House. White House privilege. <laughs> White House privilege. Uh, yes, she asserted White House privilege. Something else interesting that came out of Hope Hicks' testimony, though, is her, her mention about of the, the P-tape. Okay? We know from the Mueller report that Cohen had received text messages from Ritz Kalatze that he had stopped the flow haha, of tapes from <laughs> Russia, but there might be more and he just didn't know. And he got that text October 30th. Uh, well, now we have the other side of that from Hope Hicks, who testified that the day after the Access Hollywood tape dropped, Hope reached out to Michael Cohen to ask about a tape she heard uh, that TMZ might have with Trump and Russian hookers. And she knew that Cohen knew Harvey Levin from TMZ. So she called him. And then at the end of October, Cohen gets these texts from Ritz Kaladze, who also told him the tapes were rumored to be held by people from the Crocus Group. And if that rings a bell, that's one of the uh, Aguilaroff joints. Um, <laughs> it's a real estate conglomerate in Russia that Sater and Cohen were working with on Trump Tower Moscow to get to fund Trump Tower Moscow. And they also helped um, host Miss Universe in 2013. So when we think about Glenn Simpson and Fusion GPS asking questions like, why does Trump start all these deals in Russia but never finishes them? It's glaringly obvious to me. These deals are dangled to get dirt on Donald. Then they tell him to go fuck himself. <laughs> I see that five times five. Dangled to get dirt on Donald. Deals dangled to get dirt on Donald. <laughs> Da, 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 da. I mean, think about how Putin and Kim Jong-un and MBZ all flaunt their awesome bromances on the world stage uh, or promise Trump shit and never deliver and then laugh at him publicly. This is why it's bad to have a president that's compromised, whether it's by real estate deals or P-tapes. Mm -hmm. um, also this week, Sater was set to testify behind closed doors before the House Intelligence Committee, but apparently overslept, saying he took a sleep aid the night before and didn't realize it would hit him so hard. Yeah. <laughs> nice oh, save, oh, we dude. know the reason now. Well, yeah. Jameson Picklebacks aren't technically a sleep aid, but I know where you're coming from, <laughs> Felix. <clears throat> I've been there, man. Uh, I have a feeling he was out uh, with Matt Gates, maybe, and Kavanaugh at Squeeze boofing till four in the morning. <laughs> no word on a uh, new date uh, that I've seen uh, for him to testify, but I will keep you posted. And hey, Felix, maybe don't take a pill for the first time the night before your testimony to the House Intelligence Committee. Or they're like, take this and all your problems will go away in the morning. <laughs> yeah, just a, just an idea. Yeah, yeah. No new meds before testifying no to Congress. No new meds. Just, That's just a, good, a rule. Yeah. It's like Drake's no new friends. <laughs> <laughs> no new meds. <laughs> 
God, that's so that's that's such a they say it's health concerns or whatever, and then you just peel back and learn yeah. more about the story. It's like, okay, they, dude, they all have gout. Yeah. Well, and then you he's gonna say, I was anxious. I was anxious about testifying. I needed a sleep aid. Yeah, like when you get like a weed prescription or something. Yeah, like, maybe you should stay up all night worrying if you have to testify to the fucking House Intelligence Committee because you're criming. Yeah, maybe mm-hmm. that's just something you should have to live through. Yeah, that. Yeah, being groggy. That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come out of your induced sleep and then talk to fucking Congress, you fucking idiot. Yeah. Uh, then it gets better. Don McGahn's chief of staff, the rabid note-taker known as Annie Donaldson, who was supposed to appear before the House Judiciary Committee this Monday, June 24th, uh, in response to a subpoena from that committee. Uh, but she's now struck a deal with Nadler that in lieu of appearing in person, she will submit answers in writing. None of this helps us. We have all this shit in writing. It's called the Mueller Report. We don't need more shit in writing. <laughs> uh, only 3% of Americans have read it. We need more shit in motion. The entire point of these hearings, in my eyes at least, is to get this information out to the public via televised hearings. Mm -hmm. To have all your star witnesses respond in writing just gives us another report no one will read. (laughs) And interviews behind closed doors that produce transcripts are just more reports that no one's going to read. Yeah, like when my teacher would send me back with a bad report. My mom's not getting that. I'm not giving that to her. (laughs) Nobody's reading that. (laughs) It defeats the entire purpose of publicly televised hearings, and these subpoenas would have teeth if we had opened an impeachment inquiry. Uh, Of course, Dem leadership could be slow rolling it to get the public testimony to happen smack in the middle of election season to solicit maximum damage to Trump in 2020. But in the meantime, we have an escalating situation with Iran, empty threats of ice raids, children in deplorable conditions in concentration camps. We kind of need to get this ball rolling Mm -hmm. and not do it as a political move to time it properly to have most maximum impact on the election. Right, just do it because it needs to be done. Correct. And it's still being super slow rolled. Like, how do you even know it's going to get done before the election? Yeah. Uh, and I know people are afraid that the Senate won't convict. In fact, we already knew Turtle Dick Mitch has vowed to quash any impeachment charges. <laughs> but check this out. Imagine we take all these subpoena battles and blanket immunity bullshit cases to court and win, which because we will. And then it's appealed and then upheld because it will be. And then the Supreme Court orders the White House to produce evidence and testimony. Uh, and then Trump refuses to comply with that s- Supreme Court order. According to Joyce Vance, who I spoke to, and we're going to hear her in the interview, that would truly be a constitutional crisis. But could Republicans really vote to acquit him at that point? And if we impeach and the Senate Republicans refuse to convict and remove Trump after he's defied a court order, they'll be on the record for the rest of history as having done so. And we can use that to oust them all in 2020 and get the Senate back, too. And that might be the eventuality, though I find it hard to believe the Senate Republicans would be willing to quash impeachment charges for a president refusing to comply with the highest court in the land. Uh, We will continue to follow this, obviously. Uh, I think we're up to 86 Democrats in the House now calling for impeachment, and the number will continue to rise. It was just like 40 last month, Mm -hmm. as will public support, up to 48 percent. Public support for impeachment will continue to rise, and we'll be here for the tipping point. Uh, provided we don't oversleep and miss our congressional <laughs> appearance. Yes, true. We could accomplish so much. First of all, that was really well said, but I feel like we could accomplish so much if we just impeach him already. It's not to cause this like hurricane of chaos in the news. Just get it over with. He's so fucking toxic yeah, for I, us. I really think that maybe Nancy Pelosi's like, it would be too soon <clears throat> for the elections oh, to yeah. have an impact in the elections. I oh, do too ca- soon too. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. I do kind of like the idea of thinking about their lethargy uh, in terms of strategy as opposed to just on principle not wanting to impeach him yeah mm-hmm. i think if they didn't want to impeach him on principle they would have taken it off the table yeah it's on the table so they can do it at, i think personally i think they want to do it at the at the time that benefits us the most for the election and impeachment yeah but 
I really agree with what you were saying that so many horrible things are going on in the meantime. So even, I, I mean, I imagine that's a cost benefit analysis that they're making every day and reassessing is what are the chances that we're going to be successful in this to the degree that's going to actually have the most impact on rolling back those things that are horrible that are happening? Yeah. Or could you do this? Could you open the impeachment inquiry, get everybody that the witnesses you want and all the documents behind closed doors, look at it, study it, and then wait and then pounce and have everybody testify publicly and release all the documents publicly and then file the articles of impeachment. Uh, and then maybe by that time, uh, he will maybe Donald Trump will have uh, refused to comply with some of the Supreme Court uh, orders to compel him to produce evidence. Like, who knows? Or maybe mm-hmm. they're maybe they're waiting. Maybe Pelosi's waiting. Like if they got an impeachment inquiry, maybe they'd be able to get all the stuff and it wouldn't go to the Supreme Court. Uh, and then he wouldn't have this defiance of the Supreme Court, which might be the only thing that turns the Senate Republicans around. So, I mean, there could be a million things that we're not thinking of, but I'm still like, I, I understand we're all just like, just on with it. It's our congressional responsibility. It's our duty, not, you know, ours, but c- Congress's. Mm-hmm. It's the one way Mueller was like, here, here's the mic, you know, Papa Doc, t- mm-hmm. Papa Doc. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> different, yeah. different one. Uh, it's this is for you. Here's your roadmap. Um, so we'll see what I'm hoping. Here's my uh, here's what I want. I want them now that they've voted to circumvent the House full House vote and the DOJ to go to court. I want Nadler right now to subpoena the grand jury materials, uh, which is the equivalent of the Nixon Jaworski report, the roadmap to impeachment. And then uh, what you do is, you know, Trump will appeal it all the way up to Supreme Court. Supreme Court will compel uh, the Department of Justice to hand over. The documents, uh, the grand jury materials, and then they'll get it. And then they'll, you know, we should already be in impeachment hearings at that point. But then at that point, um, maybe the Department of Justice refuses to hand those over. And that is what could trigger uh, the Senate GOP to decide not to quash impeachment hearings. I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, There's many different scenarios here that can happen. Um, And, of course, we're going to cover it. That's, That's what we're doing. So... Y'all ready for sabotage? Oh, yes. All right, guys. So we talked about Manatee Hannaford. Mm-hmm. Hashtag Team Manatee. Texts. <laughs> uh, cocked and loaded. But why are the Manafort texts just now being released? Uh, and and this is an important thing. So Judge Amy Bourbon Jackson, uh, Judge Jackson, if you're nasty, who is considering whether or not Stone violated his gag order, as we know, uh, she's also the judge in the Manafort case. She released those Manafort texts because uh, she's considering a contempt or gag order charge on Manafort and his lawyer, Kevin Downing. And the best explanation of this comes from Marcy Wheeler um, at Empty Wheel on Twitter and her blog, uh, EmptyWheel.net online. I just want to go through this really quick. So she says basically, and this is from yesterday. So she says, yesterday, uh, Judge Jackson released the text between Manafort and Hannity, um, releasing on April 29th. She first considered releasing on April 29th. Uh, While lots of people are looking at the text, we haven't seen any reporting on why we got them. Um, Judge Jackson received those texts February 26th of this year as an attachment F to the government's sentencing memo. This is just last February. Uh, They are one of at least seven attachments to an attachment to the memorandum objecting to the probation office's pre-sentence investigation report into Manafort, presumably making an argument that nothing that he contemptuously... uh, I'm sorry, making the argument that he contemptuously violated Judge Berman Jackson's uh, gag order. So this is really interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, importantly, there's another set of communications 
um, attachment seven that Judge Jackson did not release because they're subject the subject of an ongoing proceeding of some sort. Um, so Amy Berman Jackson, um, basically, she says here, Empty Wheel says, Amy Berman Jackson considered referring Kevin Downing for criminal contempt. On the same day as Manafort's sentencing, um, on March 13th, she issued an order for a hearing March 22nd to explain why she should not institute proceedings against Kevin Downing, Manafort's lawyer, under federal criminal provision 42, alleging past violation of this court's gag order. So why shouldn't I, you know, you, you broke the gag order. Why shouldn't I hold you in contempt? And uh, she also instructed both sides to tell her by March 19th whether attachments six and seven, attachment six being the manity texts and attachment seven being additional communications of, of Manafort's that we don't have yet. Uh, she said, tell me by March 19th, you know, why I should not file this on the public docket. Um, and the hearing as to whether Downing should be sanctioned was postponed, but ultimately held April 2nd. And a transcript of that hearing with grand jury and privilege information redacted we should be seeing that soon. Mm. So after that hearing on April 25th, she asked both sides again if she should release attachments six and seven. The government responded. Manafort's lawyers only response in two separate filings, sometimes after June 12th. Um, they filed, they only responded twice, uh, which is what led Judge Jackson to issue her order yesterday um, that her March 13th order reviewing Downey's behavior be released. The April 2nd transcript to be released in redacted form. Uh, and attachment six, the text released yesterday. Mm-hmm. So, so, so we, we do we have seven in redacted form or no? That one's totally... It's coming soon. Coming soon. Okay, nice. Seven might not be. She oh, did not okay. release attachment seven. Uh, the other set of texts or other, some, kind of, some other kind of communication, according to uh, Marcy Wheeler, because attap- attachment seven is covered by rule 6E and relates to ongoing matters, and therefore she'll remain under seal. Mm. So attachment six, yesterday's release, the manatee text, it's not covered by grand jury rules and it's part of, not part of an ongoing matter, but attachment seven is, which raises a question about how the two sets of te- texts were obtained and what they show. So basically, I think what uh, Marcy's getting at here is we could see, um, or you know, maybe a retroactive gag order uh, violation or contempt for, for Manafort's lawyer. So mm. um, let me get down here to her conclusion. Um, the, Downing Han- the, the Downing Hannity outreach took place not long after Manafort learned he'd be facing tax charges. Okay. Um, and... Let's see. In the days after Downing and Hannity first spoke on January 29th, because if you remember in the text, Manafort was like, my lawyer's going to call you and they're going to you guys are going to discuss stuff. Um, And so during those three days that uh, Downing, uh, Manafort's lawyer and Hannity spoke January 29th, 30th and 31st, I think uh, Gates would have had his first known proffer discussions with Mueller's team. And those probably led to the Habsburg charges filed the same day the new tax charges were filed. So it's just all this really crazy, illegal communication. And that's why these texts were released is because there's something in them that is not proper. Okay, yeah. (laughs) And um, sounds like a timing thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I, that she, you know, indicates Manafort wasn't exactly honest with Hannity about how fucked he was. Oh. So, uh, and then, you know, she's talking about what the other ongoing matters are and ABJ's timing. That's Amy Berman Jackson's timing. I really encourage you to go to emptywheel.net and look at this um, Manafort Hannity text uh, blog that she wrote up. It's very uh, contextual and intricate yeah. and there's a lot of information in there so go check that out and thanks to marcy wheeler for the incredible work that you do uh on the daily <laughs> um i we really do uh, appreciate it all right you guys ready for the fantasy indictment league yes, yes. i'm gonna be indicted no it's gonna be a- indicted! 
Honey, Dick. Indict it! Honey. I'm going to be indicted! Hold it. They can't. It's going to be okay. Just calm down. I can't calm down. I'm going to be indicted! All right, guys. I think I get to go first this time. Is it me? That makes sense. Yeah. My turn? Mm-hmm. Kevin Downing. Oh, nice. <laughs> Either that or he's going to get be held in contempt. Can I do a Kevin Downing contempt? Sure. Is it my turn? Yeah. Kushner. That's another good one. Yeah, I was going to go with Kush. Um, I'm going with Brody. Oh, all right. Mm-hmm. Nice. I'm going to go with Manafort. Nice. I'm going to do Eric Prince. Oh, classic. <laughs> classic. <laughs> good night, sweet prince. Or not so sweet prince. Um, I'll do the inaugural. Okay, oh, Trump yeah. inaugural. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Stone, superseding Stone. Okay. Um, I'm going to do Soriano. Oh, yeah. Oh, that guy. Yeah, good one. Good call. He's just around too many bad people for nothing to come out on him. <laughs> Definitely sketch, yeah. Um, I will do Trump org. Nice. I'm going to do Sullivan. He's one of those old school Stonehengers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to do Tom Barrick. Yes. Holding out for that <laughs> that takedown. It's coming. That back channel takedown. <laughs> I will do victory, Trump victory. Trump victory fund. That's a super pack. Yes, yes. Okay. And we have one more, right? You mm-hmm. do. Last one for you. Uh, mm-hmm. Corsi. Okay. Nice. I'm going to do rando. Ooh, oh, wonderful rando. Oh, my goodness. The amazing rando. <laughs> I'm kind of in the rando spirit myself. If <laughs> you right. don't mind me piggybacking that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's been a while. Have it. Have it. Randos for everyone. Yay. All right, guys. We'll be right back with Joyce Vance. Whether you're getting ready to move, doing your spring cleaning, or Marie Kondoing your life, you're probably like me and looking to free up some valuable space. Self-storage is always an option, but what if there was a way to store your stuff without breaking your back or spending a fortune? That's where Clutter comes in. They're the world's largest on-demand storage provider. And you know I'm all about convenience, and when it comes to making my life easier, Clutter is really the best. Finding an affordable place to stash your things has never been simpler, so you can just sit back, relax, and let Clutter do the rest. So here's how it works. For a low monthly rate, Clutter will schedule a pickup, show up at that time, pack your stuff, move your stuff to storage. They'll make a photo inventory of all your stuff so you can see exactly what you have in that storage. And if you ever need to retrieve anything, you can look through your photo inventory and tell them. There's no driving down to your storage locker and digging through your stuff hoping it's in there. You just contact Clutter, ask them to bring you anything you need right to your door in 48 hours or less. And you don't pay packing or delivery fees. Plus, they have a price match guarantee, so you always get the lowest storage rate. Clutter is the world's largest full-service, on-demand storage experience. They do all the work for you, so stop wasting time and money scheduling movers, lifting things, vetting storage facilities, taking your own photo inventories. I don't even know who does that. But experience the future of storage with Clutter. And Clutter has a great sign-up bonus for our listeners right now. Get $50 off your first month when you sign up at clutter.com ag. That's on top of Clutter's no-hassle-moving online inventory management, free pickup and delivery, and price match guarantee. See why Clutter is better and get $50 off your first month at clutter.com ag. You'll be glad you did. So, Renato, do you still have your own podcast? Yeah, it's complicated. What's so complicated about a podcast? That's the name of the podcast, remember? Oh, Will you still be exploring topics that help us understand the week's news? You bet. But we'll have a new name because we're going to be working together to explore complicated issues that are dominating the news. Working together? Yeah, you're hosting it with me, remember? Oh, right. Wait, does that mean our podcast is going to have a steam mop segment? Let's not get carried away. But we'll discuss hot new legal topics, so check out our new episode, 
coming soon to everywhere you get podcasts as well as YouTube. So joining us today for the interview is former U.S. attorney from Birmingham, Alabama, and law professor. She recently testified to the House Judiciary Committee about Mueller's findings. Welcome back to the podcast, Joyce Vance. Joyce, thanks for coming on Mueller, she wrote. Glad to be with you. Okay, so I watched your recent testimony uh, on Capitol Hill. And first, I want to thank you for your insights. I thought that it was really well laid out, um, and particularly into the incidents of obstruction of justice. What was it like testifying on Capitol Hill? You know, it's a huge honor, I think, anytime you're asked to use your expertise um, to help Congress figure an issue out. So this was just in many ways an honor, but it was also a frustrating honor because it was clear that one side was there to engage on the question we were there on, which was obstruction of justice, and that was the Democrats. The other side, the Republicans, never talked about obstruction of of justice. They wanted to talk about collusion. They even wanted to talk about legal theories that made the executive branch and the president very powerful. But never in the entire, I think, four and a half hours that we were there did they discuss or confront the substantive evidence in the Mueller report that says that the president of the United States committed obstruction of justice? Yeah, it was definitely pretty one-sided. I know they had a Republican there, and uh, was his name McCarthy, or was it the—I can't remember, because I, I watched both hearings uh, with the for the counterintelligence and for that, and, and I, I know that the Republicans had a guy in tow in each of those situations, but he didn't get asked very many questions. No, in fact, it was interesting. So the, the Republicans were entitled to choose a witness, and so they picked um, a lawyer who's at the Heritage Foundation who has a rich background at DOJ. He, in fact, was a U.S. attorney, an assistant U.S. attorney in the Atlanta office, so that same office that Sally Yates came out of, and they were young AUSAs at about the same time. Um, and a nice guy, a thoughtful guy. He certainly has a very different view of how expansive executive power is than I do. But even he was not willing to go as far as some of the Republicans on the committee tried to get him to go. I did notice that as well. It was it was very interesting to watch. Um, and as we know, Mueller explained that he was bound, and you talked about this during your testimony, that he was bound by the Office of Legal Counsel memo from the Department of Justice not to indict a sitting president, but felt that the investigation was necessary to get evidence while memories were fresh and documents were still available. But can you explain, because a lot, a lot of folks are confused, why Mueller wouldn't even tell us that the president had committed obstruction of justice? So... I'll try. This is, I think, inside baseball, um, you know, uh, maybe third year of law school kind of stuff. But many people have been upset that Mueller followed the Office of Legal Counsel memo that concludes that a sitting president can't be indicted. Mueller had no option here. This is DOJ policy, and he was bound to follow it. And one of the frustrations people have is that there's no way to challenge that policy. There's no one withstanding to go to court and try to get it reversed. Essentially, as long as President Trump is in office and there is an attorney general who's committed to following the memo, that's the policy. So that's the situation that Mueller finds himself in. And then as he begins to look at evidence, at least in terms of conspiracy, he's able to rule that out. 
But when he starts to look at obstruction, there's significant evidence. As you know, a thousand uh, former federal prosecutors from both parties have signed on to a letter saying that they believe there's sufficient evidence to indict. And so people wonder why Mueller couldn't just go ahead and say that. And here's the problem that he had. Knowing that he could not indict, Mueller was then obligated, like any prosecutor is, to preserve the constitutional rights of a potential target and also to make sure that he didn't violate those rights in a way that might let that potential target, if he was indicted in the future, have a conviction reversed on appeal. And Mueller knows and says in the report that it's possible that prosecutors, once Trump is out of office, might indict, or it's possible that Congress might impeach. He doesn't mention the third possibility, which is that state court prosecutors could indict tomorrow morning, say, if they were ready. And so what happens next is an excruciating exercise in making sure the president doesn't get prejudiced by the information that's put forward in the report. So Mueller just says... I'm not going to make a decision. If I said I was going to indict the president, he would have no legal form in which to clear his name, and he would have a cloud hanging over his head. So I will present the evidence. I will even analyze the evidence. I'll give you a legal framework and tell you what elements I would have to prove. But I'm preserving this body of evidence for either future prosecutors or Congress without making a prosecutive decision. So by like if he actually had come out and said that he could have indicted the president or the president was guilty of obstruction of justice, could that prejudice future prosecutions against the man? You know, I think it could have, and perhaps in some very unforeseen ways. One argument that the president might be able to make would be that the jury pool that considered his guilt or not in a future case was irredeemably prejudiced. There are all sorts of legal consequences. And, and, you know, we're in the moment where we're trying to deal with the notion that we have a president who's committed criminal acts and no one seems to be able to hold him accountable. But Mueller had on his team very experienced criminal lawyers, and they weren't thinking just in this moment. They were thinking in this moment and also what happens on appeal. If there's a conviction in the future, can it be affirmed? given the environment in the current Supreme Court. And I think that they bent over backwards to make sure that they didn't give, uh, you know, that they didn't uh, create sort of like an own goal sort of situation where they prejudiced the case. Okay, I think that makes a lot, uh, a a lot more sense than, you know, just because, you know, a lot of us don't understand those kinds of inner workings or, or, you know, looking, you know, the foresight that that Mueller and his team had to perhaps not prejudice any future um, indictments that would happen after he left office. So I thank you for explaining that to us. I think that that's a fair criticism. And and I'm in this unusual position of having been a criminal prosecutor, but also an appellate lawyer. And often even dealing with criminal prosecutors in my office, I would have to remind them to slow down. You know, they would be focused on winning at trial and you have to remind them, Okay, we need to win at trial. We also need to be able to get affirmed on appeal. So it's no surprise that people in the public are very frustrated by this. Right. Because according to the rules or the criminal justice, uh, federal justice, or I can't remember what they're called, criminal justice laws, I think that uh, Mueller outlined in the first couple pages of his report, you can't just want, you know, uh, indict because you can get a conviction. You also have to be able to hold that indictment uh, or hold that conviction in, on appeal. Yeah, the federal principles of prosecution, you have to be able to <laughs> obtain and sustain a conviction. 
great. Okay, that makes a lot more sense then. And then um, finally, I wanted to ask you a, a legal question about Hope Hicks' testimony this week. She refused to answer 155 times based on some kind of absolute immunity, which I've never heard of. And it seemed that Jerry Nadler was trying to establish that neither she nor her attorneys, of which she had five or six with her, were asserting any kind of privilege. And can you explain for us what he was attempting to establish legally with those questions about privilege? Sure. So the Trump administration is trying to keep any number of fact witnesses from testimony. And they've tried to assert initially privilege. And privilege is a concept that um, it's not a blanket privilege against testifying. It's a question by question exercise where the attorney would have to hear each question and then make a decision about whether or not the White House would try to keep the witness from answering because of executive privilege. And that privilege is very narrow in scope. It's really only intended to cover conversations between the president and his aides that are part of the deliberative process. You want to ensure that a president can get honest advice from his aides. And so when they're going back and forth and talking about upside and downside, you really want to protect those conversations. That's actually pretty important. But what that doesn't do is it doesn't protect, for one thing, criminal conduct um, or people who observe criminal conduct. And once the executive privilege is waived, once those witnesses, for instance, in Hope Hicks's case, have already testified and the report is, is public, it's very hard to assert executive privilege. So the White House shifted focus and they began to assert this very just uh, almost silly, it's so ludicrous concept that there's a blanket executive immunity. And so what um, Representative Nadler did this week with Hope Hicks was to build a record that he can now use to take into court to prove to a judge that they're not asserting executive privilege, that rather they're using this legally unbound concept of immunity. And that's what Nadler needs to begin the process of compelling these witnesses to testify in open session in front of the House. Ah, uh, gotcha. So, so, and then, of course, we're all wondering what happens if it goes all the way up to the Supreme Court. Any of these subpoenas go all the way up to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court compels the White House to, you know, produce the witnesses or produce the documents, and Trump simply just ignores it. Right. And so that, I think, would be, you know, we talk about constitutional crises and whether we're there or not. That would be a constitutional crisis if the president were to to flat out refuse to uh, follow the lawful order of the highest court in the land. And a number of the Democrats on the House Judiciary Committee have said that in private conversations with their Republican colleagues, their colleagues have said that that would be too far, that that would be the point at which the Republicans would have to man up and insist on accountability from this president. If that were to happen and if the president could ignore lawful court orders and not be held accountable, we would be in a disastrous situation. Well, perhaps at that point, some Republicans in the Senate might be willing to convict uh, on an impeachment charge. <laughs> you know, one would hope that there would be um, an honest effort to towards accountability at that point in time in whatever shape or form it took. All right. Well, thanks so much, Joyce. Everyone, former U.S. attorney and law professor, she cemented her spot in history with her amazing testimony to the House Judiciary. And I think you inspired young men and women all over to go to law school. So, Joyce Vance, thanks again for joining Mueller, she wrote. Thanks. You're way too kind. I hope everyone does go to law school. (laughs) Thanks so much, Joyce. (laughs) Y'all, that's our show. 
It was so nice to talk to Joyce again. Yeah, she's awesome. And uh, I'm uh, like I said, we're I'm trying to switch to y'all because it's genderless. <laughs> I like it because it used to be ladies and gentlemen, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. So y'all. Uh, actually, I never really say ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, guys, mostly. Yeah, yeah I yeah. usually say guys. So. I like you all, though. Y'all is good. Y'all. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks again to everyone who came out to Parkway in Minneapolis. That was so much fun. You're the mm-hmm. best fans ever. Everyone says you're the best audience everywhere we go. Uh, we're setting up a VIP meet and greet in Philly for the night after the show at Philly Podfest because we can't have one during the Philly Podfest. So email us at hello at com and make sure you put in the subject line Philly VIP and we will send you an email with the information when it comes out. Um, and that's how we're going to find it is by searching the subject Philly VIP. So exactly. make, make sure you do that. Any final thoughts, guys? I just love you guys so much. Yeah. Yeah. I want to give a quick shout out to uh, someone. I was working at the comedy store, the La Jolla Comedy Store last night, and I bumped into someone accidentally, and it turned out to be a guy that listens to our show. Oh, snap. Yeah. I think his name's Kevin. Sorry if I got that wrong. Uh, but he even dropped super, he was like, my super space beans is like, everyone gets taken out. <laughs> Not dead, but like, right. gone. <laughs> was it after the show, after he drank? It was after. <laughs> like all Republicans yeah. get taken out after the election? All the bad people. That's yeah. Yeah. Like all, a sweeping indictment. Yeah, all the shitty appointed people and everything. But Instead of blanket immunity, it's just blanket <laughs> takedown of the GOP. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, it was really nice. Um, It was nice talking to him. So thank you for coming out and saying hello yeah thanks for listening yeah it was by no means because he knew i was going to be there it was just complete happenstance and it was a universe thing that, that is incredible i'm moving so right now yeah. and i found someone who like is a listener of the show that wants to waive my deposit and i'm like all right we can probably check it out <laughs> that sounds nice but it's a small world there's yeah. a lot of listeners like local listeners yeah that's yeah. so funny it is best fans ever and, mm-hmm. and again thanks again to melissa and adele for the wonderful things that you made for us we really do appreciate that oh yes uh, and guys, that's it. Please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. I've been AG. I've been Jaleesa Johnson. I've been Jordan Coburn. And this is Muller She Wrote. Muller She Wrote is produced and engineered by AG with editing and logo design by Jaleesa Johnson. Our marketing consultant and social media manager is Sarah Lee Steiner. And our subscriber and communications director is Jordan Coburn. Fact-checking and research by AG and research assistance by Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Our merchandising managers are Sarah Lee Steiner and Sarah Hirschberger Valencia. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com. Hi, I'm Dan Dunn, host of What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn, the most wildly entertaining adult beverage-themed podcast in the history of the medium. That's right, the boozy best of the best, baby. And we have the cool celebrity promos to prove it. Check this out. Hi, I'm Allison Janney, and you're here with me on What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. And that's my sexy voice. Boom. Boom is right, Academy Award winner Allison Janney. As you can see, celebrities just love this show. How cool is that? Hey, this is Scotty Pippen, and you're listening to The Dan Dunn Show. And, wait, hold on. The name of the show is what? All right, sure. Scotty Pippen momentarily forgot the show's name, but there's a first time for everything. Hey, everyone, this is Scoot McNary. I'm here with Dan Dunn on What Are You Drinking? What's it called again? Fine, twice. But famous people really do love this show. Hi, this is Will Forte, and you're, for some reason, listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. 
you mean for some reason, Will Forte? What's going on? Hi, this is Kurt Russell. Listen, I escaped from New York, but I couldn't get the hell out of Dan Dunn's happy hour. Please, send help. Send help? Oh, come on, Kurt Russell. Can somebody out there please help me? I'm Dita Von Tees, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. Let me try one more time. Come on. Is that oh, right? What we're no, drinking? It's amazing. It, it's it amazing. Right, it's just... Is it right? Ah, that's better. So be like Dita Von Tees, friends, and listen to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn, available wherever you get your podcasts. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, Welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th. Or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.